Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 108. We're going to talk about field conditions today and some things that we want to be aware of. Before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsors. First off, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. And as always, please, if you're in a position to do so, become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. We have a new patron this week, AC. Thank you very much for coming on board. We really do appreciate your support. One of the things that Coach Don and I really do value is the family of patrons that we have that have uh, contributed to us and, and allowed us to keep doing the podcast. It's a really great thing that they've made that contribution, and we certainly appreciate it. We'd love, if you can, if you see value in what we're doing, to become a patron by going to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. So Don, one of the things that I think every coach should get in the habit of doing, and one of the things we want all our players to get in the habit of doing, is familiarizing themselves with the field, especially if it's a new facility, someplace that, you know, an away game or a new park or a park that we have not played at before. Because every day that we go to the park, there's going to be things that are different, are important for us to be aware of as players. And I think that it's crucial that all players are, are paying attention to those things and getting in the habit of seeing those things so that they're more prepared and ready to react instead of shocked or surprised or, or kind of a, a little bit slow on the, on the uptake to be able to take advantage of some of the things that might be going on. Well, there's so many different uh, varieties of fields that we play on. Some have tons of out-of-play space. Some uh, have temporary fences. Right. There's just so much that's happening. And like you say, you could be at the same park or facility. The actual field that we play on might be different than the last one. Right. And just as you said right there, to take a moment to uh, be conscious of you know what's happening if you're an outfielder and we've got a temp fence and it doesn't go all the way over or you know, what the ground rules are going to be, or if there might be uh, hangups in the fence, those types of things. And um, it's just important for us to, I guess, help the kids become aware if we're coaches, right? Well, perfect world. We'd have time to take the whole team on a tour. Sure. Kind of walk our way around. But what we need to do is instill in them the understanding and the value for them as players of knowing these different things. So let's start off at the backstop first. I think the backstop is the first thing that players should be paying attention to. How far is it from home plate to the backstop? If it's 40 feet, is a whole lot different for what would happen to me as a base runner versus if it's 20 feet. Is it chain link fence or is it a net or is it a concrete block wall? Is it a block wall that's got padding on it? Is the padding flat? All those different things are important. And one of the things I've seen some players do at different times in my career is go out there with a softball and throw a couple off the backstop to see how the ball reacts. And catcher might want to know. Yeah, just get a feel for it. You know, to, to pay attention to those things, those uh, uh, potential bits of information, things that we could be gaining from seeing that information, I think is very valuable. And the runner at third, 
and that ball gets past the catcher, and I already know that if it hits the flat part of the backstop, it's going to bounce right back to the catcher. That's pretty important for me to know versus that if it hits the backstop, it's going to die in the netting or it's going to bounce wildly or it's going to take some crazy angle. It's going to make it really easy for me to advance to the next base. So all those things I think are important. And I think that's a great place to start. No, and I think, too, we're going to be kind of picky about the things we talk about. But so many times the competitiveness of what we've done um, has been so high and so close that it only takes one thing for us to either overlook or not talk about or not cover for us to be losing a ball game instead of winning a ball game. Right. So all these things can add up to you know just being um, one step better than your opponent, right? Right. So the next one after the backstop is how much area is there in foul territory? If you've got 10 feet between the foul line and the fence, or you've got 40 feet between the foul line and the fence, might mean that a fast runner might be able to tag up and go to second on a pop-up that the catcher catches right in front of the backstop, which is you know a long way behind home plate. It might mean that a fast runner can tag up from second and go to third on a pop-up that's hit down in foul territory out behind first base because it's a long way. There's a lot of space. If there's an overthrow at first or third, and I, I know it's you know a long way to that fence, and I, I see where the uh, players involved would be to back it up, I can read that very quickly and wait a second. It's a long way. I got to definitely got to advance to second, maybe even think about advancing to third. Turn the corner, right? Right. So the second area I think that we should always be paying attention to is foul territory and how big it is, how much space there is, and kind of what shape it's in, too. If it's, uh, again, is it a a chain-link fence that looks like it's been beat up for 25 years? Um, But paying attention to the foul territory and, and how much space there is and what kind of shape it's in. Next one is the warning track. So is there a warning track in fall territory, and is there a warning track on the outfield? So obviously that affects me both as a defensive player, as an outfielder, but also as uh, to how the ball might react if it's hit and it ends up in fall territory on, on a warning track. And if it does, will it scoot down into the corner, or is it going to be easier for it to be backed up? Is it, for me as a, a defensive player, knowing the warning track and how far it is from the first step on the track to the fence so I know how far... I have and how much room I have to make a play. So the warning track, if there is one, is another important feature that I think we want our kids to be paying attention to. Absolutely. No, the warning track, I think, is really, really important for safety for our defensive kids. Right. So the next one is, moving back into infield, is what are the batter's boxes like? Are are you playing the seventh game today on the uh, city park field that started at 8 o'clock this morning? And the, the holes, I hate the trenches, Tori. The, the holes at uh, home plate are so deep that if you hit a ball in the ground, you're going to have to climb out of the hole before you can start running. They, they put you where you, ha- you yeah. have to stand in the trenches, I know. Um, if you bunt, are you going to be able to get out of the box and run enough to actually base hit bunt? Those kinds of things. How soft is it uh, right out in front of home plate? There's a couple places that we've played at as college teams it's as firm as the parking lot, right? Yeah, no, when we played at uh, UGA, and, and you know, I understand why they did it, they had kids that really hit the ball hard. The first 20 feet out in front of home plate, you couldn't, if you walked on it in metal spikes, you didn't sink into it. It was packed so hard. Right. You know, and there's other schools that do that too. But so maybe, uh, you know, how hard is the dirt in front of home plate? How soft is it? If it's super dusty and super fluffy, again, for me as a bunter or a slapper, is that going to help me or is it going to hurt me? You got to play it, right? Yeah. So you got to uh, know what it is. Yeah. Right. And for me as a defensive player, if it's really soft out in front of home plate and I see the ball bunted, 
does that mean it's going to roll three feet or it's going to roll 23 feet, right? Absolutely. So paying attention to that area right out in front of home plate for how hard it is. We've already talked about four things that are really valuable and and important uh, knowledge-wise for the kids that I think are going to make a big difference. So now let's talk about around the bases. How big is the trench in front of each base where people have been leading off and and, uh, diving back all day? Is that going to affect me as a base runner? Is it going to make it harder for me or easier for me? How soft is it when I take my lead off at first base? Am I going to slip and slide? I was going to say, and as you're talking about the the bases and base paths, how how many times have you went and kicked a bag and it be loose or or not really tight? Right. Has 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 some wobble to it. So when you hit it, Um, are you playing in a a sanction that uses the safety base at first base? You know, know, it's another very simple thing, but it can change how things are happening. If I'm the first baseman and I know that I've got the orange base to use on a dropped third strike, then that gives me, you know, some comfort knowing that I can. It makes me think about the rule to make sure that I know I can slide over and put my foot on the orange base to make a play on a dropped third strike. Might be, yeah, yeah. the coach's yeah. meeting there, right? right. Um, so those kinds of things, you know, again, are, are valuable. But again, the, how soft and slippery is the infield? We haven't even talked about it. Has it rained yet? Um, is it wet? But you know, heading out onto the grass, how tall is the grass? So if the grass is, uh, you know, over the top of my shoes, it's ankle high, and I'm an outfielder, well, then that tells me about how fast the ball's going to go through the grass. Seems a lot of times, Tori, when we played up north, too, that the grass is a lot deeper. And Would thicker. you say that's true? Yeah, and yeah. thicker. Down, down yeah. here in the south, we got that Bermuda that we cut nice and short. Tight. Up there in, in Wisconsin, we had that old Kentucky bluegrass that was <laughs> right. about you know four inches high. But again, from a defensive standpoint, if I'm the outfielder and I'm yeah. playing on a field that's got really slow grass, it changes the angles that I need to take to get to a ball that's in the gap. But it also changes how fast I can get to a ground ball if I'm going to try to throw somebody out. How about the lip, too? Have you ever seen a, a hard ground ball, really low ground ball, take a monster jump when yeah. it hits that lip? Well, th- there's a really famous tournament that happens out in Colorado that many, many people play in. And I won't say identify which one, but there's one that plays on really beautiful fields that are really well-maintained and another one that plays on some older, slightly less uh, well-maintained facilities. And I can remember sitting in the front row of the bleachers behind home plate, and the lip on the outfield was so high, you couldn't tell if the outfielders had legs. Right. And a ball, just like you said, got scorched through the infield. The infield was hard. It so hit the, that lip, and it carried way, I mean, way over the right fielder's head. I mean, it was like a line drive that got hit. A motor, motocross guy yeah. could have... Yeah, So somebody could have yeah. jumped over the fence with a motocross bike if they would have been trying, so... But those kinds of things, again, information that is useful. If I'm the outfielder, I would like to know that that ball could hit that ramp and jump over my head. Or, again, I might want to you know, be thinking about it from a base runner's perspective is not you know, assuming anything's a, an easy out or a, a play that's going to be easily made. If I'm running with two outs, I'm going to be going hard on a ground ball anywhere in the infield because it could take a crazy hop. It could end up being that big hit that I can score on. Absolutely. But so as we work our way around the field, you know, Don, you mentioned earlier temporary fences. Mm-hmm. Okay, I hate temporary fences. As Me a matter too. of fact, there's a, a blog that I wrote about uh, temporary fences. I think I'm going to uh, slide that one up to the top of the, the chart so Stan will uh, run it on social media. I but, still like uh, it better than a 300-foot fence, though. Yes, but the one thing I can tell you is the number of times I've watched games where there was 
issues. Um, yeah, a, a ball in the gap that should have scored a runner from first that ended up being a ground rule double because it goes under the temporary fence, bounces over the temporary fence. Couldn't tell if it was through, a home run. Yeah. Goes through the temporary fence. Uh, the number of times that a... They're just so short, you can hop them. Yeah, yep. that, that a ball got scorched down into the corner that should have been rattling around for a double or a triple or maybe an inside-the-park home run. It ends up being a, a ground rule double that nobody even chases after because they know it's going down past Dead the ball. temporary fence. Yeah, you know the number of times that I've seen you know different kinds of things where they uh, you know, did she you know jump over the fence and catch it? Did she jump before she you know went over the fence? Did she make a, the greatest catch ever, or is it an out or a, or a home run? The number of arguments I've seen about that at the ballpark are un, unbelievably numerous. To me, the temporary fence is something that we should be aware of. Obviously, if I'm an outfielder and I'm playing on a field that has temporary fences, I know there's not going to be a warning track. Right. And I know that there's going to be balls that might hit off that fence or rebound off that temporary fence that might have some velocity coming back at me. It's like a trampoline. Right. And so all those different things, again, are things that we want to make sure that our players are checking out. You know, the one uh, thing that uh, I always used to tell our college kids if we were playing on somebody else's field, they would always want to know what the scouting report was. And I would always tell our outfielders, it's simple. You can figure out where you're supposed to stand as soon as you walk out on the field. And they would always look at them and go, well, what do you mean? Like, look for the dead spots. Right. Because that's where their outfielders are standing every day at practice. And they're standing there for a reason. That's because that's where most of the balls are getting hit. But that kind of stuff, again, can be useful information if we're playing on somebody's home field. Um, you know, and obviously that would be different if we're playing at the city park or whatever, but there's all kinds of information that's available to our players if we just help them understand that it can give them a leg up or it can really hurt their performance just as much as it could help it if they're not paying attention or they're not aware of some of the stuff that's going on. So I got one more for you here, Tori, too. All coaches should know how many paces from home plate to the pitching rubber. Yep. Yep. Just to whether we're pitching on the side, uh, off in a, a open area at a ballpark or whatever, so we can give them the right distance. But also too, we've gone out and um, the pitching rubber's been in the incorrect spot. Right. Here's, you should here's be able to tell when you're coaching yeah. too. But here, here's a story: in the college game, in the high school game, mound is forty-three feet. Right. Forty-three feet puts the mound almost com- directly in line between first and third base. It's just slightly ahead of that straight line. If you went from the corner of third base to the corner of first base and stretched a string, the pitcher's mound should be just a little bit in front of that string. Well, we were playing in a college tournament back, and this is you know, 10, 12 years ago, and it was a really big tournament, but they played it at a local softball complex that also had mounds at 35 feet and 40 feet and 43 feet and 46 feet and 50 feet. We're waiting to play and the game in front of us had two teams that, I mean, were really highly thought of teams that had really good pitching. And it seemed like this game was never going to end because neither team was getting anybody out of the game. It was like 14 to 13 or, or some ridiculous crazy number. One team was on like their second or third pitcher. The other team, I think, was on their third or fourth pitcher. And finally, the game was over, and we went out to warm up. And the first thing I noticed was, when I looked across that line from first to third, guess what wasn't there? <laughs> right? The pitcher's mound or the circle. So here we had two you know, really good teams with two really good pitchers pitching from 46 feet because... 
the ground crew guys, when they put the field together that day, evidently weren't paying attention on that field or whatever, and put the circle down. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they're just putting lines out there. Yeah. And of course, after it was over, and, and, and I noticed it, and I complained right away, so we're not starting this game until we get this right. And the umpires start off with, well, it's the same for both teams, so let's go. I said, no, <laughs> no, we are not going to just go. We're not going to pretend like it's okay. I said, you know, either we're going to get a shovel out here, and we're going to dig this mound out and move it forward, or we're going to, you know, figure out what the problem was. And the 43-foot mound was in the ground. It was just covered up with the dirt. Right. The thing that was so shocking to me was here you had a whole game of really good softball players and really well thought of softball coaches that never noticed it. And to me, if I've got a, you know, an All-American candidate pitching and she's getting lit up and she comes in and says, you know, just feels like so, I'm off today. That mound <laughs> felt like, like, uh, like I was throwing it way too far. It's like none of my pitchers were, were working. You know, I was, you know my, my drop ball was dropping in front of home plate every time. I couldn't fix it today. I would have thought somebody would have looked or right. would have asked that question, but everybody just assumed that it was right. That's an absolute true story. I won't mention the teams involved, even though I don't think either of the same two coaches are at the two schools anymore that uh, they probably would be less embarrassed. But if they listened to it now and had to admit that they let their pitcher out there in a game, uh, they'd be embarrassed to have to admit it now. So we'll, That's we'll, one of those things you can easily just pace it off, right? Right. And, or go out there and look, like you said, right. just a little behind. Those kinds of things with that little bit of knowledge is important because, honestly, the players should have known it. They should right. have been able to figure it out right away and said, okay, well, something's not right here. They might not have known for sure exactly what it was, but if they're uh, going through this checklist of stuff like we're talking about... Catchers and pitchers should be able to pace it. Yeah, and yeah. And, and again, so we want to have the knowledge and, and, and the confidence of being able to play, thinking that we have an advantage on every field instead of a disadvantage. And obviously, you know, the home field advantage is always going to be better for the people that are there practicing and playing every day. But if it's two teams that show up at uh, City Park X on Saturday morning to play in a tournament, and neither one of them has ever been there before, the team that spends a few minutes walking it, figuring it out, and learning those things is going to have a leg up. Mm -hmm. Slow pitch is 65 feet, too, for the base path, right? Or 70. Sidebar, I also uh, got a recruiting video once of a kid who was trying to tell me how fast she was, but I noticed on the video that you could see the tags hanging on the fence behind where they had 50, 60, 65, and 70 so that the grounds crew knew which place to put the base in. Right. I don't think she was expecting that I was going to be able to see that she was running to a 50-foot base, but that's a whole other story for another day. The stopwatch. Yeah. yeah. But dang, she was fast. <laughs> but anyhow, so that's going to wrap up number 108. Make sure you're uh, paying attention to the field conditions. There's a lot of information that can give you t your, your kids and your team a big advantage next time you play. As always, please check out fastpitchprep.com. The website's got the link for you to order your Square Cuts training discs. Also has access to the blogs and the YouTube library. And as always, send us your suggestions, ideas, and thoughts to everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. And Coach Don and I will be happy to talk about whatever comes up. So uh, for Coach Don McKinley, our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Yeah.